Welcome back to another week of the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, our guest is Agnes Wainman. She is a psychologist in London, Ontario, Canada. So our very first international guest. That's pretty exciting. We are exploring how expectations and intergenerational issues can impact women and anxiety. We're also going a little deeper with childhood emotional neglect, which we covered in episode 12 with Dr. Janice Webb. And today we're going to really dive deep into how that impacts women in particular. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll catch you on the other end. Welcome back to another week of the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, our guest is Agnes Wainman. She is a psychologist in London, Ontario, Canada. So our very first international guest. That's pretty exciting. We are exploring how expectations and intergenerational issues can impact women and anxiety. We're also going a little deeper with childhood emotional neglect, which we covered in episode 12 with Dr. Janice Webb. And today we're going to really dive deep into how that impacts women in particular. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll catch you on the other end. So welcome everyone to today's episode. We are talking to uh, Agnes Wainman. She is a psychologist in London, Ontario, so far away. Um, and she's also owner of the uh, London Psychological Services. So welcome, Agnes. Thanks so much for being here today with me. And um, I know you through Facebook groups and have enjoyed your podcast when you had it. And um, I'm hoping you'll tell us a little bit about yourself and what, uh, you know, what drives you, what motivated you to create your business and focus on women who feel overwhelmed and stuck and need a change. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Biz. I'm really excited. This is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about. So it's a great Yay. <laughs> uh, pleasure to be here. So as you mentioned, I'm a psychologist in London, Ontario, Canada. So may, am I your first international guest? You maybe? are. You are. <laughs> you are my very first international guest. So I'm very excited about that. Yay. So I have a private practice in London, Ontario, where I primarily work with overwhelmed, worried women. So they are my peeps. Mm. They are the clients, the people that I just love, love to work with and help and join on their journey. So this is a topic that I'm both passionate and deeply, deeply invested in. Mm, nice, nice. And so what why 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 is this so important to you it's been it's such a I love these questions because it kind of makes me reflect so mm -hmm. when I started undergrad I didn't really know what I wanted to do so in my first year I took psychology and sociology and history and philosophy and English not really knowing what I wanted to do and then I just loved psychology and I did really well in it. And so I just kind of kept going. And before I knew it, I was in grad school. 
And I kind of joke that I decided to do my PhD in clinical psychology because, because like I needed so much therapy myself and <laughs> it was just more efficient to do a DIY version of it. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> but I, re I actually didn't know that at the time. It's only kind of on reflection. I think if you had asked me in grad school why I picked psychology, I would have just said, you know, I really... I'm curious about people and I like their stories and I like kind of, I'm also just nosy. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like, like I, like I just want to dive right in there and kind of understand people. Mm. Um, and I think there's still a part of me that is just, you know, curious and I love people, um, hearing people's stories and their journeys. But I think there was that deep down part of me that kind of wanted to figure myself out. You know, because I was always the kid who had stomach aches every morning before school. Yeah. Who felt really shy and didn't want to speak up in class. And I, I really, you know, back then, and I mean, I'm not ancient, but I'm old enough that we didn't really kind of talk about anxiety. Oh, we didn't yeah. talk about mental health we didn't talk about you know hey like you actually don't have to live your life feeling constantly worried yeah. yeah and I would also you know look around you know whether it was within my own family or friends families and like women worrying just seemed to be like the norm so true yeah, yeah. <laughs> like th this was just kind of like you know, women worry. They worry about their kids. They worry about their partners. They worry about themselves. They worry about what could go wrong. They double and triple check everything. And again, I think I just thought like, this is how we're supposed to function and exist. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I would say, yeah, my history is very similar. Right. And that those signs of anxiety in a kid or even in yeah parents or caregivers or whatever weren't necessarily like that they're really anxious or they're really worried all the time like why <laughs> there was none yeah. of that <laughs> yeah it was almost like just being a worrier it was this ingrained part of your personality that you know couldn't be changed yeah yeah well and and i feel like too it's as you said that like it was it's so much it feels like it's so identifying with or uh, you know a part of being a woman you know mm. is that like this is just what you do yeah so again as I've kind of reflected on my own experiences and then going through graduate school which was you know very disorder based mm -hmm. you know here are the symptoms you know here are the diagnoses and here, you know, is the treatment for this disorder. Yeah. Where I have completely, you know, kind of shifted my thinking about that because while I definitely think diagnoses have a place, I don't see it as a disorder versus, well, duh, of course that's going to happen when you are living in this culture, living in the society that, you know, unfortunately as a whole, we're not doing so well mm -hmm. from an emotional perspective, mm -hmm. you know, that we are constantly getting messages that there's things to worry about, 
when we're kind of getting all of these really unrealistic expectations placed on us that we're never going to meet. So we worry about that. Yeah. So I don't see it as a disorder versus, well, Dell, like what else is going to happen? We are, we are basically training women to be anxious. Wow. Yeah. Really hadn't thought about it in terms like that, but it's true though. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like between the expectations and, well, and two responsibilities for women, which tend to include not just home and work, but it's home, family, friends, you know, you're, it, it extends outward and many directions what we're expected to do. Yeah, so I think as, because I've been doing clinical work for over a decade at this point, and so, yeah, kind of the number of stories I hear, and of course, you know, we all have our unique stories and, you know, the details are different, but after a while, you start kind of hearing the same themes, the same experiences, so that to me has been such an amazing thing to witness and kind of to start putting together for myself. Mm. And so when I see women in my practice, while obviously, again, they're going to have their own story, their own experiences, to be able to normalize those experiences for them and to say like, hey, like I've had, you know, this sim this same conversation like 10 times this week already and you are so not alone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which can be so empowering for the clients to know that this is not, I mean, yes, it's unique, it's their own story, but it's shared too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which again, I think is sometimes where some of my sociology, you know, dabbling in undergrad is then helpful because I found in psychology, it's so about the individual factors. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really pay attention to though, but again, what else is going on, you know, in this woman's, you know, immediate family, in her family of origin story, in her community, right. you know, her culture, and yeah. culture. And I, I felt like that was such a disservice because then I think if anything, then it kind of makes the clients feel like, okay, let's figure out what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm versus let's figure out, you know, all of these factors that a lot of them are completely out of your control, influence the way you see the world and experience relationships and feel about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so, so powerful to sort of, I think, frame it in that way that, yeah, it's not you, you know, it's not all you. There, there mm. are other things that, that shape who you are and how you are in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's super empowering to say, but then here's things that you can do mm -hmm. to change things for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so for you, when people are first seeking therapy with you, uh, women in particular, like what, what are their concerns? What is it that they're coming to you with that they need help with? So I think that there is usually a crisis point that brings them to me. So I have subspecialties working with women who are going through uh, fertility treatments or they've had pregnancy and infant losses. Also, they 
may have had a baby and are really struggling with postpartum anxiety. So I see women who sometimes there's a very specific trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also see women who have really, you know, have been functioning, have been doing what they need to do, are very successful, but they're just kind of feeling that, yeah, that overwhelm, that burnout, that what else should I be doing? Because I've checked off, you know, my list of to-dos, like my life to-dos. I've gone to school. I, you know, have a career. I got married. I had kids. You know, I have this home with a granite kitchen mm-hmm. and like I, I, I'm still anxious or they may not even label it as anxious but they they worry and they just kind of feel that like is this it mm-hmm. <laughs> right 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 and how come i'm not feeling completely fulfilled and settled if i have all these things that i've checked off my list mm-hmm. yeah so i think that for a lot of women and again these are kind of my working theories the more that i work with women is there's this huge discrepancy between you know the expectations that we have on ourselves which are super high unrealistic and kind of making us feel like we're failing in all realms of our life mm-hmm. you know so failing as mothers, failing in our careers, that maybe our romantic relationships aren't how we want them, that we never see our friends. So there's this one category of expectations that we place on ourselves. But then we kind of have a whole other set of expectations for other people, which is usually, for the most part, a lot lower. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of women expecting themselves to be super women, but then when you talk to them about their friends, their family, they're very kind and compassionate and understanding, almost to the point where then they are not getting a lot of what they need because, you know, they make a lot of excuses for people. (laughs) Right, right, right. And are very, very forgiving maybe for things that, yeah, that are hurting them, you know, or like not getting their own needs met. Yes. So my working theory is that women are expecting too much of themselves and maybe not enough of other people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, not to to get in too much of a, you know, sociological or philosophical discussion, but, you know, what sets us up for this? Like, what sets us up to be these, you know, to me, like, I picture it as, like, the faucet is turned on or, you know, and and all the water's pouring out and we're not refilling, you know? It's, Mm -hmm. like, that sense of being depleted. I think there's a... Yeah, there's so many factors. I have kind of been fascinated by kind of generational differences recently because a lot of the women that I see are probably kind of those older millennial women and the Gen X women. So kind of I'm seeing women in their like early 30s to, you know, their late 40s, you know, who had been raised by boomer parents who, you know, then had been raised by their parents for where, you know, for a lot of our grandparents, it was literally about survival. Right. You know, there was wars, there was the Great Depression, there was, you know, a lot of people immigrating from other 
countries. And, and again, I, when I talk about this with clients, because I, t I do take this intergenerational narrative approach that it's not about blaming anyone, mm -hmm. but it is about understanding kind of these patterns, particularly when it comes to the expectations that have been placed on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's these expectations. So again, you know, our grandparents' generation, you know, where it was literally about survival and maybe having tons of kids because you knew that you may not kind of some of them wouldn't survive. Right. And and there weren't a lot of options for birth control either. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> you know, and so there likely wasn't a lot of focus on emotionally nurturing children. Yeah. You know, and then so when the boomers had kids, you know, I, I find, again, for at least a lot of clients that I see. So, again, I also want to be very conscientious of, you know, you know, I work with clients who have a lot of economic privilege and racial privilege. So, again, I always want to think about that context as well, mm -hmm. you know, but who by their parents were given stuff and opportunities and experiences. But again, that emotional nurturing piece really wasn't a focus. Yeah. And yeah. wasn't there. Uh, so I love referring clients to Dr. John Swab's work about emotional neglect. Agnes is referring to Dr. Janice Webb, who we interviewed on the podcast two weeks ago about her work on childhood emotional neglect. And, and I know for a lot of my clients, they kind of initially kind of bristle a little bit about that term. Yeah. You know, I because agree. these are the people who d describe their childhoods as, you know, it was a great childhood. You know, there wasn't maybe overt abuse or, you know, significant poverty all of their basic needs were met well and as you said if they're privileged they were given stuff like mm -hmm. it was comfy and cozy and you had a house and things and so then yeah my childhood was great except maybe not so much as far as the emotional support yeah so then when we kind of start digging around as to you know when you were worried about something you know, what were the messages that you got? And often it was kind of, you know, a version of suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my world, it was buck up. <laughs> you know, but then we would be watching maybe our own mothers or our own grandmothers worrying constantly about things. <laughs> You know, we are observing people worrying, you know, we're observing maybe not a lot of discussion about emotions. Hmm. We're observing disconnection from emotions, you know. So again, for a lot of my clients, you know, and again, this is very overgeneralizing. So, sure. you know, I know this is not everyone's experience, you know, yeah. but whether it was mom or dad, you know, they would sometimes disconnect in unhealthy ways, whether it was, you know, kind of using alcohol, but you know, it's, oh, they were never an alcoholic, but they yeah. drank a lot. <laughs> right, right. You yeah. know, or yeah. they worked a lot. Yeah. 
but there was never that acknowledgement as, hey, I have feelings, you have feelings, these are all normal, you know, things that make us human. And, and you know, I've, I've also experienced like with clients that, and sometimes it was a very overt message of like, you need to get over this, like, or, or shaming around feelings and needs and yeah, so it makes it really mm-hmm. hard to know or feel comfortable or even understand what you are feeling. Yeah. And then, you know, we would then internalize. So whether it was physical symptoms of, again, the stomach aches, the headaches, Mm -hmm. kind of anxious driven behaviors, like, you know, nail biting, hair twirling, kind of, you know, really, you know, worrying about things Yeah, and not being able to label that as I'm worried about this and it coming out in all of these ways that then maybe make us feel like, okay, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that internal sense of something, yeah, some disconnect internally or even feeling like there's a disconnect with others, um, I find is a, also a prominent story for clients that um, worry a lot. That like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me that I can't, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. feel emotionally connected or, um, yeah, even yeah. know what I'm feeling. Yeah, and so I, I think part of the way to cope with that is then, you know, going back to our unrealistic expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, that we start placing on ourselves. Well, like, you know, so maybe if I have the most beautifully decorated home, or if my children are always in like the cutest, cleanest, adorable outfits, or, you know, if I agree to bake 150 cupcakes for the school bakery sale (laughs) maybe that'll finally convince me that there's nothing wrong with me yeah yeah you know so so that's where you know I see a lot of women really struggling with you know saying no to things right for feeling guilty about saying like yeah no I'm gonna opt out of that well and that sense of guilt and like Right, I should be doing X, Y, and Z because that's what's expected. Like that can rack up a lot of guilt too, all of those shoulds. Yeah, and because, you know, our emotional lives maybe weren't paid attention to, then all we can go by is, you know, the external. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we grew up in a home where, you know, cleanliness was next to godliness, then you know, we internalize that, that that's the expectation that needs to be set. Yeah. If again, all that we saw was, you know, happy little families, you know, once a week at church, then we internalize, okay, that's the expectation. That's what families look like. That's how they behave. Yeah. So we kind of start forming these expectations. And again, this is like pre Facebook time so now (laughs) right and then you add social media to that you know so then we're getting these very you know sanitized versions of what life is supposed to look like and then we compare it to our own lives and our own inner worlds and it's like oh crap (laughs) yeah right I'm not matching up or right I need to be doing all these other things to yeah yeah So, so what do you find most helpful, you know, when working with overwhelmed women, um, or worried women, like 
So I think that a just having an understanding of all of these dynamics and factors is so powerful because again, then it's like, Oh, it's not just me. <laughs> right. And I, and, and again, not to overgeneralize, but you know, a large proportion of the clients that I work with, you know, when we really delve into their relationships within their own family of origin, it all really starts to make sense for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like the pieces start to, to fall into place. It's like, oh. Yeah. And I find it so funny because I think for a lot of adults, there's a bit of resistance there because they're like, well, you know, that was 30, 40 years ago. Like I'm an adult now. Like why should I be, you know, worried about, you know, kind of how my mom responded to me when I was five. Yeah. And then if they're, they, if their parents themselves, you know, I kind of gently challenge them. It's like, well, do you expect that how you parent your children will have an influence on them? It's like, well, of course. (laughs) So, (laughs) so let's think about this. And then it's kind of like, you can see the wheels turning. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, and I find too, that for some clients, it's very, very challenging to, view their you know their uh parents in any kind of a critical way mm-hmm. you know that there's this guilt or shame around even looking at them as as human who maybe also had some struggles or faults and um yeah and so yeah that's... and and actually I will often go with clients there as to what they know about their parents histories and experiences right and without fail there is always a traumatic story mm-hmm. you know again whether it's you know again alcoholism on within their grandparents or mm-hmm. you know there's been a sibling lost or you know or some mental the, health issues, mental or... health issues, you know, mm-hmm. but there's always a story there. Yeah. So it never comes out of nowhere. It, I, I find my role is really just to kind of put the pieces together because if you're struggling in your day to day life, you're not making the leap to like, well, you know, grandma had 12 kids. My own mom didn't really get nurtured the way she needed it. Then I never like, you're not making those leaps. No, it's true. It's true. Cause you're just in the moment of whatever's going on for you. There's always a story there and there's yeah. always a reason yeah. why people are that the way that they are. Yes. You know, and again, just like I say, though, we're not here to blame people. No, but no. we're also at the same time not to hear here to excuse the bad things that have happened right. and may continue to be happening. Right. You know, so I find that I have a lot of clients who, when they describe either one of their parents, you know, again, there's there's that emotional neglect piece, and there's really that sense of high levels of narcissism mm-hmm. for some women. Yeah. Where, you know, their parents really, again, and I also love to make the distinction because I think it's a really important distinction for people is, you know, often we look at our parents that they weren't willing to step up and be the parents we needed versus were they capable? Absolutely. 
So I think that distinguishing between willing and capable is so important, Mm -hmm. you know, because then again, it kind of allows us to maybe look at it from a slightly different perspective. Like I didn't get what I need and that really sucks and has (laughs) impacted me, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's because mom or dad or grandparents, like they just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, they they weren't given the tools to do it either. Well, and I think I think too, you know, for those clients in particular, but any client, but like the part of them that sought help to say like I I don't want to keep doing it this way, like is so huge to say like well you you're deciding to do things differently, like you're oh. making these changes. Again, unless you have super insightful family members who are like, yes, we have been engaging in these dysfunctional patterns. Let's all change. Right, 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 right. Those patterns will stay, right? It's the the client or the person involved, their expectations need to change. Yeah. And then then that can be also really freeing because when you kind of step out of it a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, like this was really never about me and who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, this is our system. So I, I appreciate, you know, I mean, with our conversation today, we've, we've, you know, had some laughs, but also talked about some really serious stuff. But it seems to me like looking at your website and knowing you just through social media and talking to you today, you know, humor is a part of what enters into your sessions a little bit mm-hmm. is that yeah am i right about that oh yeah i mean <laughs> because sometimes you just have to laugh at the ridiculousness of it all <laughs> <laughs> well you know yeah yeah it sort of opens the door to yeah allowing things not to be quite so devastatingly hurtful <laughs> yeah you know kind of laughter through tears is kind of my like favorite feeling because it's like this is both so sad but also so ridiculous right right (laughs) you know and I also just find it again like going back to that whole narrative approach that like this is just life this Mm -hmm. is every story you know there is humor there's tragedy there's anger there's annoyance, there's a boredom. So I think helping clients be like, all of the feelings are okay. Right. Let, yeah, you know. absolutely. Right. That they can all be there and, and, and it is okay. Yeah. And yes, yeah, some of them suck and feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and you can't really experience happiness without knowing what sadness is too. Yeah. So again, I think there's been almost this like, well, I'm only going to feel these ones because these ones feel good (laughs) and comfortable. And I'll just ignore these other ones where, again, as human beings, this is not how we're built. Like if you're disconnecting from one, you're disconnecting from all. Yeah, that is very true. So so then usually what is left is that feeling of, you know, anxiety and overwhelm because it's yeah kind of trying to push stuff down trying to create some of the again more comfortable feelings but all you have is 
you know, it's basically like you're trying to put out emotional fires. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that whole critical part, like, why aren't I happier? Why can't I be like, why aren't I happy all the time? And just adds to that anxiety and stress too. Yeah. And then kind of going back to, you know, this idea of then we don't have high enough expectations of other people. You know, we try to cope with all of this by ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, because this, one of the common patterns I find with the women I work with is, you know, they are the people that listen to everyone else's problems, Mm -hmm. but then don't ever share anything with other people because they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to worry other people. They also are scared of being judged. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation so much today, Agnes. If you had one tip or a resource that you felt like was really important for the listeners to take away from this episode, what would that be? Oh, that's, that's a good one. (laughs) I think I would just want them to know that even if it feels like how you're feeling now doesn't make sense, Mm -hmm. it always makes sense. Mm. It's not that there's anything wrong with you. And yes, you've made mistakes. We have all made mistakes. You know, we all kind of (laughs) Of do things that are kind of self-sabotaging, but but it always makes sense. So even reflecting, excuse me, yeah, on your own experiences, on your own story. And so, so again, a lot of the women I say, you know, when we talk about high expectations, they often will tell me like, you know, no one is, has ever told me that I need to do all these things. This is all that I've placed on myself. Yep. Where yeah. I, you know, very gently challenge them. That's like, that is maybe how you have told that story to yourself. Mm-hmm. But those expectations have come from somewhere and you may not like, specifically remember where you internalize the expectation that like, Hey, you know, if there is any, you know, fluff on the carpet, I'm a horrible person. Right. 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 You know, but right. right. But we learned of- these messages from somewhere. Yeah. And, and again, we learned them in our own home. We learned them kind of through advertising and movies, mm-hmm. you know, kind of those unrealistic ideals of physical beauty of, yeah. again, what we're supposed to be like as a parent, you know, how we're supposed to be balancing, you know, work and home life. Mm-hmm. So for them to realize that it always makes sense it always came from somewhere, mm-hmm. but also that the really cool thing about being a grown up is we can start rejecting some of those expectations and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rewrite that story about those expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, how can people find you? And also, is there anything that is coming up in your business world that you would like listeners to know about? Or how, yeah, and how do they find you? Yeah, so the best way to find me is on my website for London Psychological Services, which is londonps.ca. 
Um, so usually there is a new blog up every other week. So I kind of talk about some of these issues, although there's tons of things that they can um, kind of look through that's already there. Awesome. Yeah. And again, as to kind of in terms of my own practice, you know, it's been a very exciting couple of years of growth and adding new associates. So I know. So exciting. Oh, this has been so fun. Again, sorry if I get a little bit ranty, but this is something that I just feel so, yeah, passionate and energized by. And really, I think that even if getting this message out to a few women, like it could literally change the world. I know. I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we feel like, you know what, I am good enough you know, what I do, like, I don't have to measure that to anyone else's benchmark. And then I'm going to, you know, if you choose to raise children in that way, then they are going to do amazing things. And again, things that fit them. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to spend our lives trying to, you know, fit into a box or try to get other people to fit into boxes. So So I I want to change the world. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'll have you back on. I'll I'll have you back on again when, when we, when we get that figured out. (laughs) Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I think that the community story is so important too, is that like, we're all, you know, you're not in this alone struggling with this, that there are people out that there that are feeling the same way that have experienced it, whether it's a therapist or a friend or the people who listen to the podcast and so I think that's important too well thanks again and uh we'll we'll have you back on soon and talk about all the things we didn't get to today awesome thanks so much biz all right thank you I hope you enjoyed this week's episode um I had a very good time talking to Agnes she always makes me laugh so that's a great thing. I uh, think laughter can be such a therapeutic tool. Uh, I also really just appreciated that if we as a community better understand that women, we all experience anxiety and that, that societal standards, that expectations can really impact how we feel about ourselves and maybe work towards letting go of some of those expectations can help us heal. So I hope this episode resonated with you. Um, If you have suggestions or ideas or comments, I'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to email me at ecush, that's E-C-U-S, h135 at gmail.com. You can also go to the Woman Warriors website at womanwarriors.com and on the podcast page and give me some suggestions on what you would like to hear on the podcast. So I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. Ciao for now from this Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. 
If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.